Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church PCA in Collierville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, missioncollierville.org. So I've told you that we are entering into a part of the Gospel of Mark where we're looking at a series of miracles, and this is the second miracle. There are two more to go. Last week, we looked at the miracle of Jesus calming the storm. And one of the big takeaways from that was when He calmed the storm, the disciples said, Who is this man? And we talked about, and we'll see this again today, that Jesus was the king who had come to inaugurate his kingdom, that Jesus is in control of all things because Jesus is the creator of all things. And that when he calms the storm, we're getting a tiny glimpse of what kingdom will be like when it comes in all its fullness. And so as we reflect on the storm, we look forward to Jesus ministering to and dealing with legion. They're in the boat. The the waters have calmed. And now they continue on their journey to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So this is about a two-hour boat ride, if you will, from one side to the other. And here they come and they land on the shore And they are now in the region and the area of the Gentiles. Now it's important to understand a little bit about where Jesus has arrived. Because it will inform you regarding His ministry, not only in the Gospel of Mark, but in other places in the Gospel. The Decapolis was a region of ten Greek cities. In in the Greek, it simply means ten and city. Ten cities. And so Jesus has come here to minister. This is particularly significant, and we'll talk about this in a second, but I wanted to give you a little bit of history of the region. If you think back to Alexander the Great, he dies. And there are four generals that split his his territory into four empires. Two of those empires are situated near Judea. And the Decapolis is one of those regions. And so these Greeks have come into this area and they are seeking to Hellenize it. In in other words, to make it more Greek. And they are now butting up against the Jewish people. Oil and water. These These two groups of people could not be more different. The Greeks looked at the Jewish people and they thought they were backwards and they were uninformed and that they were strange and unusual. And the Jewish people looked at the Greeks as, the, as pagans, as Gentiles, that they worshipped false gods and that they, were, they shouldn't have anything to do with them. And so there was great conflict from the beginning as Greek culture spread and came towards the Jewish people as it approached Israel. And then we see in 168 B.C. something unbelievable happens. The Greek army takes Jerusalem. And Antiquitus enters into the temple and he does the unthinkable. He he sacrifices a pig 
to Zeus in the temple of God. There is no illustration that I can give you, and I thought about this, there is no illustration that I can give you that thoroughly explains how hideous this was to the Jewish people. There's really nothing I could think of to explain the horror of a unclean, defiled pig being sacrificed in the temple by Antigonus. So what happened? They revolted against the Greeks. And this is called the Maccabean Revolt. And the Jewish people won. And so you hear about this yearly when you hear about Hanukkah. That is the celebration of the Jewish Maccabean revolt over the Greeks. And so when we come to the time of Jesus, the Roman government has assumed control not only of the Greek region, but of the Gentile region. And they're trying to keep the peace. And so Jesus goes to this Gentile area. Jesus approaches this Gentile area in order to minister to them. So there's three things we're going to look at today. First is that Jesus is the Most High God. Second, when pigs fly. And number three, a marvelous change. Let's look at the first point. Go back in your text to verse 7. Mark writes, "In crying out with a loud voice... He said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Now remember, He has entered into the Decapolis. He has entered into Gentile territory. And here is this man who is possessed by many demons. He is possessed by many unclean spirits. And he is an outcast from society. He lives in the tombs. He is alone. He is hurting himself. He is the epitome of recklessness and destruction. And he comes to Jesus as a Gentile. And he says to them, says to Jesus, what have you to do with me? Son of the Most High God. Now that's significant. Because the pagan Gentile culture in which he lived worshipped many gods. They had many gods that they looked to, that they made sacrifices to. But there was one God who was higher than all of the other gods. And so when he encounters Jesus, these demons speaking on his behalf are saying, despite the fact that our culture and our community worships many gods, we recognize that you are the most high God. You are the King of kings. And so they're they're recognizing the authority of Jesus Christ as the most high God, as the Son of God, and the Son of Man. Now we've seen this repeatedly throughout Scripture in the Gospel of Mark. People don't exactly know who Jesus is. They're confused by Jesus. We even saw in the previous story that the disciples were struggling with who Jesus is as He calms the storm. But He comes before the demons the legion of demons, an army of demons, and they have no doubt who He is. 
You're the son of the Most High God. And so Mark is trying to tell his audience that Jesus Christ is the one who has all the authority. That Jesus Christ is the one who can calm the storm. Jesus Christ is the one who can drive out the army, the legion. That means in the Roman army, a large group of soldiers between 3,000 and 5,000. Mark is saying to his audience, Mark is saying to us, this, this rabbi from Nazareth, this carpenter who was born in Bethlehem. This is the Son of God who is taken on flesh and He has all authority over heaven and earth. He has authority over your life. And so as we read Mark chapter 5 this, mor this morning and we look through the verses 1 through 20, it's the same message for us. Jesus has all authority over us. That Mark is telling us, that Mark is telling his audience that when we encounter Jesus and we see the King of Kings calm the storms and when we see the Lord of Lords cast out the demons in the thousands, that we step back in awe and we revere Him. We worship Him. We serve Him. And we give Him authority over our lives. We submit to Him. He is the most high God. Our family goes to a lake in Alabama. We love going there, love spending time there. And at one end of the lake, there is a cliff. And it is, I think it's about 40 feet. And the first time we ever went there, we are in the boat with some friends. And we see the cliff. And he looks at us and says to Avery and John Hunter, you should go jump off the cliff. And I, my immediate gut reaction was, you, my friend, have lost your ever-loving mind. My children, my precious, adorable, most of the time, children are not going to jump off this 40-foot cliff. And I'll, I'll tell you, when you're in the boat and on the water, it looks like 100 feet. It looks like it's double the height. And so, no way, they're not going to do it. They're not going to jump off that cliff. It's not going to happen. And he said, well, let me show you. I've grown up here my entire life. I know this lake like the back of my hand. I know it's safe. Watch me. And he jumps out of the boat and he swims over there and he makes his way up to the top and he jumps off and he goes under. And because he's a grown adult and it's such a long drop, you stay under a little while. And as he goes under and doesn't pop back up, I thought, well, yep, I'm right. That's it. He's gone. But then eventually he comes back to the top and he yells because it's so much fun. And before I can do anything about it, Vicky's pushing John Hunter and Avery out of the boat and saying, go jump, go have fun, go do it. And they did. And as I was thinking about that experience, as I was thinking about that, ex that, that illustration, it took my friend getting out of the boat and doing it in order for me to believe and to understand. 
And so when we think about Jesus and we come to the Word of God and we, we dwell on His life and His ministry and His death and resurrection, it's a reminder to us that He got out of the boat first. That He jumped first for us. And that because of His resurrection, because that God, He has been brought back to life by God the Father, because He has ascended to heaven and rules from the right hand of God the Father, we know that He is the Most High God. The Word tells us that He took the plunge for us. He lived the life that we couldn't live. He took the punishment on the cross that we deserved. And He was resurrected from the dead. In other words, God declaring that He had accomplished all things. That He was perfect in His obedience. And that He died for us. And so when we come to that in the text, we too exclaim, like Legion, that He is worthy. That Jesus Christ is worthy. And so because of Him, every single day, we can take the old Adam that exists within us, the old Adam that wrestles with sin, and we can drown him. And we can turn to and cling to and look to the new Adam who is Jesus Christ, the Most High God. Second point, when pigs fly. When pigs fly. An expression we use often in our culture, which means that's unbelievable, it will never happen. That's unbelievable, it will never happen. If you go back to the Old Testament, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, they were to be priests to the other nations. Their covenant obedience was supposed to produce a relationship with God that was so unbelievable and so blessed that the nations of the world would come to them and say, in short, we want what you have. We want to worship your God because you are blessed beyond measure. And that as these nations of the world came to Israel, Israel's role is that they were supposed to be their priests. They were supposed to minister them and welcome them into the covenant and help them understand what it means to obey the covenant and who God is, who Yahweh is. And they didn't do it. They just simply failed at this job and the nations revolted against God and Israel worshiped other gods and it was a complete failure all the way around. And so when we come to the New Testament, as we saw earlier in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus comes on this scene and Jesus chooses 12 disciples and he goes to the river to be baptized. This is the inauguration of his kingship. And Jesus comes out of the Jordan River with he comes out of the Jordan River and he is going forth to draw his people unto himself to inaugurate his kingdom. He has come to change everything. In other words, God has taken on flesh to clean up the mess that we made. Jesus is the one true Israelite. He is the one who obeys the covenant perfectly. He is the one who obeys God perfectly. And guess what Jesus does? He goes to the Gentiles. 
Israel would not be a priest to the nations. Jesus tells his disciples, we're going to cross the Sea of Galilee and I'm going to the Gentiles because I am the true King of Israel. I am establishing the kingdom of God and my people who are both Jewish and Gentile will be a part of this kingdom. So when his foot sets, when his foot sets down on the shores of the Decapolis, this is unbelievable regarding the message of redemption for God's people. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for my children. I'm coming for the Gentiles who have sinned against me just like the Jewish people. And I'm going to bring them to myself. And I'm going to establish my kingdom and it will be perfect and it will last forever. That's a significant part of our passage this morning to understand what Jesus is doing. And so Jesus approaches Legion, this man who's overcome by the evil demons. And yes, he is exercising his kingship. He is showing the apostles and he is showing us that he has authority over all things. But he's also helping us to understand that the kingdom of God belongs to Gentiles too. And so what does this man do? when he's made right, when he's made whole, he looks to Jesus and he says, please, let me go with you. Please, let me come with you. Look in your Bibles to Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7 in the New Testament. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Legion could not save Himself. Legion was corrupted through and through. Is there any greater example in all of the New Testament of anyone who was more corrupt? This man was possessed by a legion, thousands of demons. He was self-destructive. He was unclean. He was defiled. And Jesus comes to him and He makes him right. Jesus comes to him because He's merciful. And He saves him. Jesus justifies him because He is gracious. And so when we look to Legion and we understand Legion, we have to look to our own hearts. When we see Him, we have to see ourselves. We are fallen, sinful, broken Creatures. We are idolatrous. We are rebellious. We do not love God like we should. We do not love our neighbors like we should. We sin as we breathe in. We sin as we breathe out. So we can identify with the legion. We are dead in our sins. 
There is no way that we can possibly save ourselves. We have been cast out amongst the tombs, amongst the dead. And Jesus pursues us. Jesus comes to us. Jesus is on a mission to redeem us, to save us, to place His love upon us. We are heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's who we are in Jesus Christ. That's who you are this morning in Jesus Christ. And so when someone says, when pigs fly, our response, our answer is, you bet they did. When pigs fly, unbelievable, not going to happen. It did happen. The God of the universe took on flesh and came for us. And He redeemed us. And He saved us. And He welcomes us into His family. And He blesses us. And so our response is, yes, Jesus does the improbable. Jesus did it all. Yes. When pigs fly. Absolutely. Third point. A marvelous change. So let's look at verse 18 of our text. We need to read this again. We need to dwell on this. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. And he went away and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. And everyone marveled. Look what a changed life according to the Gospel does. Legion. This horrible picture of a human being, a tortured soul, in an instant because of Jesus, is devoted to Him, desires to serve Him, and has evangelistic joy. He goes forth to proclaim the Gospel. Now, I want you to understand something. Go back in the Gospels to Matthew. And I want you to look at chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. Matthew chapter 4, 23 through 25. And he went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout, throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 25, notice this. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Did you notice that? Jesus comes to the region of the Gentiles. He comes to the Decapolis. Nobody knows who He is. And He encounters a legion and He saves him. He changes him. He redeems him. And legion is committed to Jesus. He is desirous to follow Him. He wants to go back in the boat with the other apostles. He wants to worship and serve Jesus, King Jesus. And He says to Him, No. 
I want you to go throughout your region and tell what I have done for you. Now remember, the Gospel of Mark is not written chronologically. He is grouping together stories and parables in order to explain to his audience in Rome who are being greatly persecuted who Jesus of Nazareth truly is. And so when we come to the Gospel of Matthew, we see that as Jesus goes into Galilee and the Decapolis, that His fame has spread. How do you think His fame spread in that region? It all began with Legion. A man who was devoted to his king, who wanted to serve him, who had evangelistic joy. This is what happens to us when Jesus turns our lives upside down, when He changes us, when He places His love upon us, when He calls us as His own. When this happens in our hearts and it happens in our souls, it produces through the work of the Holy Spirit children of God who are devoted to Him, who desire to serve Him, and who are joyous. We can't contain the fact that Jesus has turned our life and our world upside down. We want to speak of this. We want to talk about the redemption that Jesus has brought to us through the cross and how truly great and wonderful it is that pigs have flown, that it has happened. That our God has not left us in sin and death, but He has pursued us out of love. And we are His. I tell you, there's no better place I would rather be than in the hands of the God Most High. Take that to heart. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank You that Your Word is a comfort to our souls, that it is an encouragement to our souls. Father, we rejoice that Jesus is Your Son and that He is the Most High, that He has given His life for us, that He has pursued us in love, that He has taken the punishment that we deserve, that everything is different, everything is new because of Him. Lord, we worship You this day. We praise You for all that You have done. Lord, help us to be like Legion. Help us to be desirous to serve You and to tell others about all that has been accomplished at Calvary. Lord, give us hearts that explode with worship, hearts that are filled with love for You, filled with joy for the kingdom of God. Father, continue to work in us through your Holy Spirit, making us every single day to look more and more like our older brother, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.